Hey there and welcome. You are listening to the first episode of the new podcast called Manner of Men. I'm Tyler Walker. I'm here with my brother, Britton Walker. And we're here to ask ourselves and you a very important question. What manner of men are you? We explore this question using scriptures as our guide, but this isn't just a stuffy scripture discussion. You'll hear us talk about our lives, current events, and other people's ideas as it relates to manhood. This is real life, real scriptures, and real men. So today, because it's the first one, we are starting at 1 Nephi in the Book of Mormon. For those who may not know, <laughs> the Book of Mormon is a New Testament a new New Testament. Another Testament. Another Testament of Jesus Christ. It was uh, written by uh, the ancient people of America. And because Nephi is the first one that we have writing, writing in the book. <laughs> this is a terrible <laughs> introduction of this book. Anyway, it's the Book of Mormon. Look it up. We'll talk to us if you need more out about it. But So we're approaching this as um, more... We try and want to look at the scriptures, not verse by verse necessarily, but more as a full narrative of what's going on with those ancient people and how they, how their relationship to God affects them. Um, so we decided um, to not go by the modern verse demarcations. We are going by what the original chapters. So the original copy actually didn't have any verses in it, mm -hmm. right? So we're just going by the original chapters so we can get the right. full original intent of these authors on what they wanted their breaks to be to finish their full thought. This is really, again, bad way of introducing this, but <laughs> there we are. So first Nephi chapter one coincidentally happens to be the modern chapter one and also the original chapter one. So imagine that they start at the same place. Yeah, right. <laughs> It goes off kilter real quick after that. So today we will be covering the modern chapters one through five. It will be the the chapter today's one through five. Is it not? Oh geez, did I do that wrong? So one through six. I thought it was just chapter one. No, pretty sure it's multiple. Oh, okay, well you're prepared for chapters one through five. Well, I'm prepared for chapter one. Maybe we just stick with one today then. Okay, and we'll do. I thought I looked at that. The rest later. Oh, by the way, give a little credit, I guess, to Nathan Richardson. He's the one I looked to. Oh, you're right. His chart is a little confusing. It is. Because it says original chapter one, and then modern reference one. Original chapter two, modern reference six. So you kind of have to extrapolate that to say, okay, so the original chapter comprises is one five. modern chapters one through five, rather than looking at it. Now, this is only the book of First Nephi. Is there a more complete? Oh yeah, yeah. There's a whole. I have the whole chart somewhere. Has. Does that fill in the no, gaps? No, no, no. It looks like this. It's the same thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well. Anyway, so credit to Nathan Richardson, who we are using as our reference for structure of the Book of Mormon. As you just heard, I'm ready for chapter one. Britt's ready for chapters one through five. So we'll <laughs> we'll go. So we'll, we'll stick with one for today. If okay. we want to bleed over, we can. Yeah. But if not, I think we'll we got plenty. Cover the rest yep. next week. Okay. So, moving on. Um, quick summary then. Britt, why don't you do the summary? One through five since... <laughs> I mean, I, I know the summary, but... Yeah. So, um, mm. like Tyler said, the Book of Mormon is primarily scripture written by the ancient peoples of Americas. <laughs> the Americas. Um, it starts out in Jerusalem with Lehi and his family. Lehi was a prophet in ancient Jerusalem before... 
uh, the Babylonian captivity. Um, so he was one of those prophets that was prophesying and was persecuted. He ended up having to leave Jerusalem with his family. The Lord told him to get out of Dodge, so they got out of there. <laughs> um, chapter- I, just, I just am picturing like a VeggieTales version. <laughs> get out of Dodgeball. Um, little Joe. Is that? Yeah. 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 yeah that's what it was. <laughs> um, so chapters one through five mm-hmm. is mostly most of their experience in the wilderness of them leaving, <clears throat> sending the, the their sons back to get the brass plates, which is, um, we know that to be the first five books of the Old Testament, the books of Moses and some other genealogical records for Lehi. Um, and then they go How back did, again. Did we know that? It says it the first five books of the Old Testament? I'm pretty sure it says that somewhere. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. We'll fact check this episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then they go back again to get another family so that they can have wives for their sons um, and continue to propagate their people. Um, and that is essentially... Nope. Actually, just kidding. <laughs> Chapter 5 ends with them coming back from getting the brass plates. Right. So I wasn't all that prepared to talk about <laughs> 1 through 5. <laughs> Because it ends with, and we had obtained the records which the Lord had right. commanded us, wherefore it was wisdom in the Lord that we should carry them with us. Okay. So that's chapters one through five. Leaving okay. Jerusalem, going back to get the records. All right. So I propose we start with my thoughts. Okay, go. So that we cover chapter one, and then your thoughts Sorry. might bleed into chapters <laughs> two through five. Okay. And I'll have thoughts too, because I've, you know, I've studied the Book of Mormon several times already. and Yeah. And side note to everyone else, this is a repeat redo. We've actually already <laughs> recorded five or six episodes of this. We just didn't like what we were doing, so we're doing it again. Made some changes. Yep. All right, so chapter one. Um, I wrote down a few of the notable scriptures to me that stuck out. Now, I feel like we're going to run into this the whole entire time, but I feel like chapter one had a lot of like every scripture is important (laughs) every single one of them gave me something but i'm trying to approach this again as how does this help me become a better man Mm -hmm. um and right off the bat i love how nephi talks about having been born of goodly parents right everything that nephi is he starts off by saying this is because i was born of goodly parents Therefore, I was taught somewhat in all the learning of my father and having seen many afflictions in the course of my days. Nevertheless, having been highly favored of the Lord in all my days, yea, having had a great knowledge of the goodness and the mysteries of God, therefore, I make a record of my proceedings in my days. How many times can you say my days? (laughs) But uh, because he was born to goodly parents, he had a knowledge, a great knowledge of the goodness and mysteries of God. Now, it was because of his goodly parents and afflictions. I thought that was important to say. Mm-hmm. that he had the base knowledge and testimony and strength that he took from being raised by goodly parents combined with affliction. And that's what gave him great knowledge of God. And it's kind of harkens back to like Job. Like yeah. what, what is suffering? Why do we have suffering? Mm-hmm. It, suffering is critical in life, in the gospel, in our progression as men and as disciples of christ you you can't have agency you can't have salvation you can't have sanctification without suffering you just can't Um, so i thought that was interesting um so seeing this is like okay right off the bat 
I have kids. Mm -hmm. This is important for me to know how to be a goodly parent. So what does that mean? What are the what are the traits of Lehi that that Nephi points out? Um, and so then we go on to uh, da, 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 verse five it says, "Wherefore it came to pass that my father Lehi, as he went forth, prayed unto the Lord, yea, even with all his heart, in behalf of his people." So two things that we know about Lehi already that I think Lehi Nephi sees as him being a goodly parent is one. He cares for his people, right? He yeah. prays with his entire whole heart in behalf of his people. So everything that he's about is for those that he cares for, those that he has stewardship over, those that he is a part of. Um, and then not only that, he now also shows that he relies on God because not only does he have great love for these people, he prays to God about them. Mm -hmm. And that is... I think the the basis for what it means to be goodly parents, our care and love of others, especially our family, and then those around us and everyone that we have any kind of responsibility to or over, which is everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then also reliance on God. Now, I thought it was also interesting because of that prayer, we have the Book of Mormon because of that prayer these people came to America and we have mm -hmm. these stories and these experiences to yeah. learn from yeah. because it was that prayer that he was shown the destruction of Jerusalem and told to, Hey, you know, go tell them. And guess what? You're leaving. <laughs> I've never thought of it that way, but it's, that's true. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, it was a single prayer that started the book of Mormon. It was a single prayer that, started the restoration of the gospel in the in this last dispensation with joseph smith now that's that's a fun rhetorical phrase i don't think it's necessarily true that a no, single no, prayer <laughs> right it was like kind of a catalyst right there was a lot lehi had to do to put himself in that position to um receive that revelation to, to care about the people that much right there was a lot that joseph did beforehand as far as searching and looking for truth mm -hmm. and then the prayer was kind of like the marking point like the, the catalyst of from here forward things are now different yeah so anyway. and, and to have that experience with prayer like joseph and the first vision mm -hmm. um and lehi now with this one i think they had needed practice they needed to have the skill of pondering yeah and praying and so it's not the single prayer that did it. It was everything that led up to it. But yes, that, that single prayer, I think, was the turning point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, interesting. Um, so those are kind of the two big ones that I took on what makes Lehi a goodly parent. Was his extreme care and that he put his whole heart into caring for these people and relying on the Lord on their behalf. Mm -hmm. Um. Last thing. Oh, and, oh, and then another one. I thought this was interesting. We just finished studying about Job. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, so it kind of harkened back a little bit to the thoughts I had during that, that he saw this the destruction and suffering. Ultimately, though, Lehi's response was gratitude, joy, and praising God. Yeah. So verse 13, 14, he read saying, whoa, whoa, unto Jerusalem. So the angels... 
in his vision after his prayer showed him a book and he read in the book says, well, whoa, whoa, under Jerusalem, for I have seen thine abominations. Yea, and many things did my father read concerning Nephi saying he read a lot of things about Jerusalem that it should be destroyed and the inhabitants thereof. Many should perish by the sword and many should be carried away captive. So after that, yeah, then it came to pass, my father had read and seen many great and marvelous things. He did exclaim many things unto the Lord, such as great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord God Almighty. Um, and because thou art merciful, thou wilt not suffer those who come unto thee that they shall perish. So he ultimately was focused on the goodness of God mm-hmm. uh, and and the, the suffering that he knew his people and he was going to go through did not diminish that. So a reliance on God, a care for his people and... A forever optimism. Yeah. And we see some cracks in that optimism, but... <laughs> no one's perfect. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so that was that. And the last thing I want to bring up about Nephi himself um, was this whole thing about knowledge. You know, because of a knowledge of the greatness and goodness of God, because of this knowledge that I have... Um, and I know that I, I'm going to write this down. So first, he was he was a seeker of knowledge, right? He he kept trying to get this knowledge through listening to his father, pondering, praying, reading himself, <clears throat> through his afflictions, learning from his trials and challenges and pain. Um, and then here's a part that really kind of stuck out to me. Verse three it says, "And I know that the record which I make is true, mm-hmm. and I make it with my own hand, and I make it according to my knowledge." Like he is taking responsibility. He's like, I've done the work. I'm writing what I know to be true. And I think to me, that was like, don't lie (laughs) to yourself, to anyone else, to God. Always speak and write what you know to be true. Mm -hmm. That is ultimate life advice right there. I think it's also important to point out that he wrote what he knew to be true. He wasn't just writing something that he'd heard. Or something yes. that somebody else had told him, or mm-hmm. it, he made sure to know it for himself, to do his own fact checking, to figure something out before writing it down and spreading that and publishing it to yeah. more and, people. Right? And getting, yeah, like the fact checking, the intellectual knowledge, but then also I'm sure he did not write spiritual truths well, knowing they were true. Right, right. Right. So through. Yeah, I kind of that was kind of included in my right. I, I, there, yeah, I'm just, I'm just. I know you meant that. Clarifying I know that's it. yeah. <laughs> but just saying, we only speak and teach things that we know to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my chapter one, First Nephi. <laughs> so I got um, be a goodly parent by relying on the Lord and caring deeply for others. Uh, be a Nephi, searching for knowledge and the integrity of Nephi. And then ultimately, write. Write things down. Mm-hmm. So, your first chapter, What's what are your thoughts? Um, or chapters one through five. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll focus mostly on chapter one for you. Um, but something that... I mean, a lot of it was the same that I got from, from this chapter. Um, but really, the, the focus for me was the importance of keeping records. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Nephi said, first one, therefore I make a record of my proceedings. I make a record in the language of my fathers. I know the record which I make is true. And it just, you know, continues several times throughout this chapter of just, he hits that I'm making a record. And, you know, maybe it's because something that I felt 
inadequate with recently. <laughs> <laughs> recently, my whole life I've hated writing. <clears throat> okay. I've never felt like I was good at I've it. I've never been good at keeping a journal or doing a whole lot of writing. Mm-hmm. The recent thing has been the feeling of inadequacy because of it. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. So. Can um, I ask why? Has something triggered that or it just... Um, because my wife has been... <clears throat> really good at it recently <laughs> I, <laughs> I see just, so so we actually had a conversation with with our grandpa grandpa wills um mm-hmm. about one of our uncles the the way that he journals very simple yet very effective it's just like three lines three things that happened that day just this happened this happened this happened and i mean one of the reasons why i haven't been super great at keeping a journal is because I have the expectation of being Nephi, of just writing these right. huge stories that you can learn so much from and hear your experiences and the things I learned from those experiences and you know how am I going to do better because of it. That's intimidating. That is why I haven't been great at journaling because I it takes so much time and effort and then I don't do it. Like maybe I go through a week or a month of being pretty good about it, but then I miss a day or two and then I just like crash and burn and just give up because I'm why. Okay. I don't know if we've talked about this before. Do you struggle with perfectionism? Yes. (laughs) Is that a big thing? Oh, yes. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) And that's, that's a big thing. Like, I feel like I need to write everything down and be clear and concise with Uh my writing and I can't, so I'm not going to do it. Right. Right. It's not going to be perfect. So I even tried. Right. That's why I didn't speak until I was three. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, mom, mom and dad were ready to take me to the specialist to figure out if there was something mm-hmm. wrong with my language processing. But no, it's just because I needed to make sure that I had language down well enough that I could do it, quote unquote, perfectly. And mm-hmm. so when I started speaking, it was full sentences at three years old. Really? Yeah. I do not remember that. Yeah, it's, I mean, neither do I. I, mean, I that's I was what like, mom and dad what, said. And, when, yeah. <laughs> when you were three. <laughs> so that's, that's what mom and dad said happened. And knowing myself now, I'm pretty sure it's because that I makes sense. wanted to make sure that I knew what I was saying and I could do it well right off the bat. And I mm-hmm. because that's something that I still struggle with when I want to do something new, I got to make sure I'm doing it well right off the bat. Like, yeah, anyway. Right. Um, tangents there a little bit. But yeah. the point is. It's real I, life. Right. <laughs> I haven't been super good at journaling because of those feelings. Um, so then when I heard about this new way of journaling, of just doing three just bullet points of what happened that day, Hannah's been really good about, you know, every time we're going to bed, I see her sitting on the side of the bed, just pull out her journal, writing real quick, closing it, and climbing bed. Like, it takes 30 seconds to a minute, max. And so I was like, that is totally something that I could do if I just did it and so that's where these feelings are coming from which is why that's what has hit me strongest from this chapter is the the importance of a record and yeah would it be best if we all could keep a journal like nephi's records sure because then we have so many stories to look back on and to read from our ancestors and other family members and that would be best but well, that's not necessarily feasible or practical all the time. So, but we can write little bullet points of what happened that day, mm-hmm. just to at least keep a record of what happened to us. Not necessarily have to know what we learned from it, but just so we know what happened. <laughs> so, anyway, um, that's that's why I think that the records really stuck out to me. In Can this. we go on a little tangent again? Go. <laughs> so there was a podcast I was listening to. Um, 
talking about journaling. Mm-hmm. Um, Side note. Can we tally how many times Tyler talks about another podcast while we're going through? Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh. Um, I subscribe to at least 50 different podcasts, and I listen to at least five a week. So, <laughs> Anyway, podcast I was listening to, yeah. I couldn't tell you which one it was. Um, one of the psychology ones I listened to, but <clears throat> there was someone on there who studied journaling mm-hmm. um, and the effects and how it helps. And they found that those who like journal every day um, and kind of spill their guts to their journal, they found it actually has a similar effect to what's the what's the word when you spill your guts to another venting. person? Venting, uh-huh. right? So venting actually is not very productive. Right. Sometimes it has its place. Generally, it actually makes the feelings worse. Mm-hmm. Well, they found it's it's similar to that, and they found that the, the most effective way to journal is actually not being obsessive about journaling every day. It's mm. journaling when there are significant decisions that need to be made, significant life events that need to be processed. Um, Interesting. They found that through their study. Now, of course, it's a smallish study, and so we can't really generalize for sure on right. it. But it, it makes sense to me that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I don't need to journal every day. Just when there are significant things going on that I should need to process through that I want to hold in memory for future yeah. generations. Anyway, yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Justifying my lack of journaling. Thanks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Anyway. Um. Yeah. And then just. He continues in, in verse 17, um, make an account of my proceedings of my day, um, essentially after I make an abridgment of the records of my father. So, you know, obviously his father is making a record. And Nephi decides it's important to abridge that one while making his own record. And um, and then, yeah, like like we said earlier, the, the importance of making sure that it's true. Um, not just making things up or spouting and i guess to your point venting just throwing whatever you want on a page now sometimes that that can be therapeutic i've done that before and it, it has helped when i do it occasionally i think that's that's almost do it and then burn it right yeah yeah that that practice is something that i've heard works um but you know don't do it every day um but yeah just be be intentional about mm-hmm. what you're writing what you're giving to other people um and making sure that it is true and positive and uplifting. Um, and, you know, just like like you said with Lehi, after he saw the destruction of his people, he was still praising God. And I think it's important to, to note out that he was able to praise God because after he saw the destruction of Jerusalem, verse 9, he says, And it came to pass that he saw one descending out of the midst of heaven, and he beheld that his luster was above that of the sun at noonday. So he saw Christ. And the twelve apostles, and mm-hmm. so after the destruction, he saw the redemption that was possible through Christ, and so he was able to focus on that and still have that praising, positive outlook on life because he focused on the positive, not the negative destruction. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, so I don't have specific verses for this, but just knowing the story of what happens. Mm-hmm. One through five, I'm kind of going also back to the writing that having a written record is vital because we know how much went into 
obtaining the ancient records mm-hmm. of their forefathers, that that was something that God made sure. It's like, no, you, you got to go get these. Um, and despite possible loss of life and they gave away all their riches for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Nephi was beat for it. Like they were so intent on obtaining those records. And so the fact that we know Lehi and Nephi were so focused on getting their knowledge written down and that they were so intent on getting other people's knowledge that was written so that they could learn from that. Like records are important. Yeah. It's important to read and write. <laughs> yeah. Out of the best books. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So that was my, uh, learnings from chapter one my learnings <laughs> got my learnings done words failed me there for a minute <laughs> but you words know even fail. Um, is that that's a that's, is that from dear evan hansen yeah, yeah okay yeah. Uh-huh. um but that that was i saw that throughout the next four chapters too just the importance of keeping a record like you said when they went back to find the brass plates mm-hmm. that in of itself showed how important it is to have those records so right keeping a journal so when we're talking about action items something i want to do because of this reading this studying for me will be doing a journal yeah so i need to get a notebook and then start three things that happened in that day cool yeah that's that's my commitment (laughs) it's to journal daily yes um, I, I, I guess I need to make more of a specific goal and commitment for this, but mine is gaining knowledge and recording that knowledge because I think the act of recording it makes it worth more. Uh huh. Um, cause I, I am, I'm a chronic knowledge gainer. Like you were talking about podcasts, I listen to so many podcasts. Uh-huh. I read and listen to so many books, but I don't synthesize it very well. And I think I need to write it down. So gaining knowledge and writing, recording that knowledge, which is part of the reason why I want to do this podcast, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, again, because I feel like I'm a terrible writer, but I can talk about something all day. <laughs> and so if I have someone to discuss it with. So this is kind of my action item from this. Uh-huh. Like studying the scriptures, <laughs> gaining the knowledge. And instead of like writing it down, I'm recording it yeah. in a microphone with you. So that's my action items. But also that prayer. I need to pray on behalf of others more. Mm-hmm. With, you know, the example of Lehi. Yeah. So yours is writing a journal. Mine is gaining and recording knowledge, which we're doing it. And praying on behalf of others. Yes. I think I'm going to steal yours and do more of that praying on oh, okay <laughs> okay <laughs> i mean it, it's something that that you know i have a habit of praying that is something that i do already mm-hmm. and so adding praying for others is not that much of a leap and and no oh, i i don't want to add too many to do items right to get over i mean we're doing this every week like right <laughs> and but when it's just a quick little ad like that i yeah as long as you're okay with me cheating like that, copying off your test. You know what Ella Fitzgerald upset about copying? The highest form of flattery? 
she actually didn't say that, but that is oh. another quote. Oh. No, no, no. She said in, in, in jazz, mm-hmm. some of her best work is copied. <laughs> she she copies and she expects everyone to copy her. Isn't that jazz music though? What's wrong with jazz music? Nothing. I'm just saying, isn't that jazz music that they like there really isn't an original artist really for a lot of these jazz standards because they all just got copied and morphed. Yeah, and... there's no like <laughs> I mean there's some like of Cole them. Porter. Like, yeah. He is the writer of all these jazz standards, right? Yeah. Um but in jazz, it, it's a very collaborative yeah. field, mm-hmm. collaborative group of people. <clears throat> it's like, hey, that was that was cool. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna put my little twist on it. Right. But I'm gonna do that. And so her her like scatting that she does and stuff, she just copies other people's <laughs> lines. Anyway, so cheating or copying is not cheating in my book. <laughs> All right, unless the professor tells you not to copy. <laughs> um, cool. It's a, a group project anyway, right? That's exact. Actually, yes. This podcast is a group project. Not only life this, yes. is also a group project. Exactly. I am a fond, fond, firm, firm. <laughs> fond believer too, but firm believer. You cannot be a disciple of Christ alone. Mm-hmm. Yes, you could. Moroni. <laughs> Salvation is an individual matter. Salvation yes. is an individual matter, kind of. Yeah, even though he was technically alone, he was still likely high, focused on others. Mm-hmm. His whole work when he was alone was to help others, preserving the gold plates and... for future generations. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. discipleship is not an individual effort. Mm-hmm. Now, other people cannot affect your salvation. Like they, right. they can't. Give it or take it away. That's right. up to you. Yeah. But I think a large part of salvation is is your heart in the place that you are helping others. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, look at the first and second greatest commandments. Right. Love God with all your heart, mind, and strength and love your neighbor. Yeah. So, yeah. No, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> so, yeah, salvation is an individual matter only because no one else can appreciably affect whatever affect your salvation except for jesus christ other than you yeah right but you really can't have salvation if you're just focused on you Mm -hmm. that's not possible yeah anyway okay um so i have this so some i think it feels like you're ready i'm ready kind of move on to part two yeah um which we're about 30 minutes, so we're good. Perfect. Um, as part of the podcast, we want to start by being in the scriptures, right? So we're, we're always have that base, the foundation of that's where we're focused. Mm-hmm. But then, like I said at the beginning, this isn't a stuffy scripture discussion. I don't want this to be just what's in the scriptures. <laughs> um, I want to get into some juicy stuff. Okay. Like how does, how does it, how does our understanding of the scriptures and of who God is and who we are, how does that um color the way we see the world and how does that affect how we interact with others and things that are happening and other knowledge that we gain mm-hmm. um to be honest a lot of the reason i wanted to start this there's two main reasons i wanted to start this podcast one we already talked about i wanted a lot more help in gaining and recording my knowledge to make it mean more to solidify what's going on in my my mind and my heart 
Um, but the other main reason is that I, for a few years now, have been very disheartened <laughs> by the by all these big influencers i don't want to say that word necessarily this big push for like a masculinity movement uh-huh. right i think there's a lot of good in that movement but there's a lot of just garbage going so on there what i mean there's what what am i trying to ask i don't know the masculinity movement what do you mean by that like what exactly are you seeing? Like what movement? Yeah, so it's it's these people who it it, it largely. I haven't made a big study of this, so I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. If someone knows more about the history and the anthropology of everything that's going on, is anthropology the right word for that? Uh, probably not. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> Etymology, the beginning of <laughs> whatever. I'm using big words. I don't know what they mean. <laughs> um, the beginning of all this, I think happened in large part as a reaction to this feminism oh okay right and so a lot of a lot of this is we're losing our masculinity we're losing our manhood we need to gain it back um and so they're appealing a lot to those traditional ideas of what manhood is beards and mustaches (laughs) (laughs) Uh, men working with their hands um Especially in the Christian world, mm-hmm. men are the authority in the home and in the world. Um, the orthodox, patriarchal, right? And I'm not like type. working with your hands is great. There's a lot of great right. benefits for that. Right. Men stepping up and being leaders is great. There's a lot of great benefits of that. Right? Mm-hmm. There, there's. It's one of those that there's a lot of good, but the problem is there's bad and bad infused into it of the whole you know men are the leaders not Mm -hmm. men should be stepping up and being leaders you know like men you're the leaders women you're subservient to men just for the sake of being a man yes yeah um and so i just see a lot of bravado like false bravado Mm -hmm. um this whole alpha male thing when everyone's whenever someone talks about alpha male legitimately and not like ironically Uh or describing other things when they're actually using alpha male concepts i'm done like no (laughs) lost all respect for that not for you for that conversation yes yes yeah so we i don't know i think that we don't necessarily have enough time <laughs> to, to really flesh this out we'll okay. we'll do it as as we go right. through i just wanted to get that baseline of <clears throat> that's kind of what you're talking yeah about. i'm seeing okay. i'm seeing a lot of um i guess what it boils down to i see a lot of selfishness and entitlement coming from it mm. yeah just like using using it as saying i'm trying to be a man and therefore it's my excuse to be rude and mm-hmm. brash and right not courteous towards other people yeah okay yeah so selfishness and entitlement um the misogyny that happens mm-hmm. um there's another thing i was gonna say i don't remember so i've been seeing a lot of that influence happen and men uh, oh <laughs> i've had this discussion several times throughout the years 
um, I use um a lot. Stop it, Tyler. <laughs> Where they talk about how being a good man means that you're also a dangerous man. Now, I actually kind of agree with it because if you're impotent, if you have no ability to make a wrong choice, mm-hmm. your good choice means nothing. That's right. not agency. Right. And so if you generalize that to this whole good man is dangerous, a man who can't do anything wrong, who can't choose evil, who can't be violent, abusive, if they can't be that, well, then their benevolence means very little in Anyway, yeah, it's, it's the the opposition and all things, right? We'll get there and yeah. So second Nephi, I actually do agree with that, right? Mm-hmm. Your goodness is in relation to your ability to also choose badness, <laughs> right? So so essentially, you have this innate power mm-hmm. within you this this ability to make things happen, affects change in the world, yeah, and. It's a neutral power, essentially, and what matters is what you choose to do with it. Yes. So, dangerous in that you have the potential to cause a lot of hurt and offense and damage in this world. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to go down that path to prove yourself as a man, right? Right. Is that what you're saying? Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. So, I agree the way that we've just said it. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. In these circles, a lot of times, I'm not saying all of them, but I'm seeing a lot. I see it a lot. They take that to also mean you got to be in the gym. You got to go do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. You've got to have a sharp tongue. You've got to, like, the stronger man you are, the more physical ability you have to hurt people, the more wit and intellect you have. Mm-hmm. To be able to hurt people mm-hmm. makes you a better man if you don't use them to actually seek out hurting people, which I totally disagree with because yeah. so many great men throughout history and in my life personally are weaklings, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not that strong. I could totally beat them in an arm wrestling match um, or people who don't have the ability to control their body. Mm-hmm. I think these people who are in wheelchairs have had some accident. There's one man I'm thinking of specifically broke his neck in high school. From what I've seen keeping up with him, I would put him as a great man. He has very little functioning of his body. Mm-hmm. Um, his mind is sharp. Great man. Um, but what about those people who don't have a sharp mind, but have full functioning of their bodies? Like, they are also great men. Mm-hmm. And so I've had this debate with people before. It's like, you can't say that because you're stronger and more able to kill me doesn't make you a better man. It just makes you more able to kill me. So great. Thanks for choosing not to kill me. <laughs> but Appreciate just because it. you can kill me and I could like put a scratch on your chest doesn't make you better than me. It just makes you stronger than me mm-hmm. physically. Right. Right. It, it, manhood is not... The ability to be physically dangerous. And I just see a tendency of that a lot. Oh, okay. So, tangent, I didn't mean to go there. Where are we? 40 minutes. Ooh. Um, 
so the part I want to talk about that will transition into what I really want to talk about. Oh, <laughs> um, this this manhood movement mm-hmm. is very homogeneous. Conservative white men. Yeah. Right now, of course, there's the exceptions. Uh-huh. You're going to get the black. You're going to get the Latino. You're going to get the Asian. You're going to, you know, other nationalities in there. It's less exceptional. It, 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 okay, how do I say this? There are a lot of those exceptions. Mm-hmm. There are less exceptions when we're talking about political ideology. Yeah. They're generally conservative. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. And they have a hard time accepting that someone who isn't conservative can also be good men. Be like men men. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What? I hesitate with conservative. The word conservative. Okay, we'll because talk about that in a sec. The, the, the societal label of conservative is no longer what conservative actually means. Agreed. Okay. Agreed. Okay. Um, but even, even like traditional conservatism, right? They would mostly yeah. fit under that as well. Yeah, I guess so. Right. Um, so I just, I just see the, the teaching men to be men is focusing on one small subsection of society and other men are being left by the wayside. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm one of those, right? I'm not this big macho dominate my home type of man. Yeah. Nor do I, you want to be. Nor do I want to be. I mean, I'd love to have muscles. <laughs> I, yeah, am, I enjoy guns, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like I was being... I, I, I was homeless, as far as like finding the ability to improve myself as a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you can do that on your own. But it's easier when you have a community to right. support you. Right. Uh-huh. And so part of the reason I wanted this podcast was because I wanted a place for men like me, mm-hmm. for boys like me. Yeah. To see that, hey, being a man does not mean all this extraneous stuff. Mm-hmm. Being a man is being a disciple of Christ. Yeah. And that can manifest in many ways. There's different types of ways to live life as a disciple of Christ. Mm-hmm. Look at it all, all of his apostles in the New Testament. Look at all the current apostles. Look at all the current <laughs> apostles, right? Um, so, bringing me to my point, uh-huh. my interesting thought for today, and the real life aspect of this, I randomly decided to take those political ideology quizzes again. Uh-huh. I've done it. I, I probably do it once a year, just okay. just because. I maybe have done it once in the last ten years. I really want to do them again, though. Oh, you should. Yeah, we should like pause and have you do it right now. <laughs> um. So, my trajectory politically has been interesting. Mm-hmm. Right, grew up same household you did. Very conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been conservative. Mm-hmm. I've always voted Republican. Mm-hmm. Um, very traditional religious views. In like everything about me was conservative. Yeah, to the, down to the point where I had the belief that all scripture was literal. Uh huh. I guess we'll, that's kind of a sticky subject too. 
but I just I don't believe that anymore. Uh-huh. Right? How can you how can you believe the firmament is a literal teaching that like that's what the world is? Right? There's water above us and water below us, and we're like this bubble in space. That's not true. <laughs> um anyway. So I've gone from super conservative mm-hmm. to really transitioning to a more nuanced view, but I've still clung to that conservative label because that's how I was raised. That was a part of my identity. That was my like my foundation, right? Um, because I was taught being a conservative means you love your country. It means you believe in the Constitution. It means you uh, believe in traditional religious values. That's not what conservative is. Yes. But that's what I thought it equated to. Mm-hmm. Cons- if, if you were anything but conservative, you did not love your country as much, or you did not believe as much in the Constitution, or you did not have these traditional religious values. Right. Right. And so I clung to that label of conservative, even though through this whole Trump episode, I was like, I, I, no, I cannot stand behind Trump. <laughs> Back to my previous comment, he's not conservative. I agree. He has con- some conservative ideas, but I'm not going to call him conservative. Okay. I agree. <laughs> and yet, anytime you speak out against Trump, you're a rhino, you're not a conservative, you're a social liberal. Socialist liberal, right? Yay for extremism. And I, yeah. And I, every time, is like, well, good thing I never voted Republican in my, or Democrat in my life. <laughs> you know, good thing I'm a Republican. Good thing I'm a conservative. <laughs> like, uh-huh. like, no, I'm, I'm this way. I can't say that anymore. I took these tests and I've been seeing them kind of go that way. Uh-huh. But look at this. Ready? So there's the politicalcompass.org, which is largely seen as one of the most, um, usable uh-huh. one of these. Yeah, I've heard about this one. I've heard this one is one of the most usable and widely known, but less um, dependable, I think was what they were saying. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, it's really hard to get a good... Yeah, so, any of these will be... There's way too much nuance in these things to yeah. really plot I, it on an XY graph. So when I take these, I always take two or three at a time. Yeah. Just yeah. different metrics, different, just to see. Um, but look at this. <laughs> I am, according to them, on the okay. So they have it's the the four squares, right? Uh-huh. They have the left and right axis. So are you politically left or politically right? Obviously on the X. On the X, and then on the Y, up and down. They have are you authoritarian or libertarian? Mm-hmm. Right. Um. Man, we can have a whole discussion about what all those mean. Yes. But I am in the middle of the quadrant that is on the left and libertarian. Yes. Right. So apparently I'm a liberal. Mm, careful. <laughs> right. And I I have rejected that phrase because not only was I taught that this is what conservative means, mm-hmm. I've also been told many times by many people. Mm-hmm. Uh, not least of which people very influential in my life that liberals are evil mm-hmm. they reject christ mm-hmm. they they hate this country they want to destroy capitalism mm-hmm. and i was like that's not me so i'm not a liberal 
Right. They, <laughs> we've also been taught that, I mean, this is a societal thing that liberals have very specific opinions on a few issues. Mm-hmm. Conservatives have the opposite opinion on those same issues. Mm-hmm. When that's not necessarily true, like you can be a liberal and hold what would you what would typically be considered a conservative position on those issues, which is what I, where I feel you sit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting that according to these metrics, okay, so we'll go to the second one I took. Uh-huh. I, I was going to take the I side with one, but that one's longer. And yeah. I just didn't have time, so I didn't do it. <laughs> I really like it. I've done it before. Um, people should do it more. But this one's politicalpersonality.org. This one's a little more like casual. Um, just for the fun of it. A little more like I mean, personality-ish. The image that popped up for you, I couldn't decide if those were samurai or Jedi. I know, right? <laughs> I think but I mean, they're kind of the same thing, right? Samurai, true. Jedis were based off samurai, weren't they? Okay, anyway. so the other one put me in the... Okay, <laughs> I missed right? the number. <laughs> right? Okay, so the other one put me in like pretty much square in that left liberal quadrant. Uh-huh. Which means I'm not super left. I'm not super libertarian. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm pretty strongly. Well, what... What label... Or there's several. What label holds a more negative connotation than liberal? Democrat. Actually, no. I wouldn't. No? Say, I wouldn't oh. say that. No. Oh yeah, yeah. Social justice warrior. Yeah. Yes. You can you can be a liberal, but if you tack on that social justice warrior aspect to it, oh, you're done. Game over. Well, guess what this political personality quiz said I was. Well, I don't have to guess anymore I'm reading it. <laughs> I'm a justice warrior. Not a social justice, just a justice just warrior. Just a justice warrior. <laughs> and it says I'm 90% Democrat. Right. What? I, that surprised me. Um, justice warrior fits your personality. Like reading okay, so that, I, I, that description. I, yeah, I think that that fits you fairly well. I agree. So the label justice warrior to me was like, no, no, uh, mm-hmm. nope, that's not me. <laughs> Until I read what they meant. Justice warriors are genuinely caring individuals who radiate authenticity and altruism. Never one to back down from a fight. Unfortunately, <laughs> I found that I don't back down from fights. You, I mean, okay, I do sometimes, but it's not fun. It's not comfy. Yeah. I, it's not comfy being in the fights, but I don't back down. It's also hard to back. Yep, I get it. I'll choose my fights. Uh huh. I was like, it's not worth it right now. Not worth engaging. But if you engage me. It's really hard for me not to... Anyway, I don't back down from a fight. You are known for being a catalyst for change. And that was something I talked about with mom and dad recently. Mm-hmm. I told them, I was like, I honestly, my whole life, I crave change. <laughs> I do Yeah. Um, say, but are always reasonable, honest, and respectful in approach. I hope that's true. I try to be that. Um, you are generally a natural leader. Some people say that about me. Able to rally people around causes you truly believe in. I think that one I need some more work on, but I want that to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, like social justice, government accountability. Okay, and social justice, I'm all for. Not always in the way that some of the extremer factions yes, want it. There's but- a difference between... Agreeing with the principles and the ideas and agreeing with the methods. Yeah, the, the tactics and yeah. yeah. Um, government accountability. Yeah, okay. That one actually is probably least like me. 
I tend to respect and trust the government. Okay. More than almost anyone I know. <laughs> so I'm I'm not out there saying being critical and cynical of the government saying you need to be accountable. I'm out there saying more like okay, I actually trust that people in government generally have good hearts, so I'm generally mm-hmm. going to trust what they say. Okay. Yeah, we need to be make sure, you know, they're accountable. But I'm not the hard hitting, making sure like, no, I need to know what's really going on here. Okay. Yeah. Makes you sense. Know? I truly believe in education. I am in full support of public schools. I I am. Uh-huh. That's, it's been a little bit coming saying that, but I, I'm saying that now. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I believe in a public education system. Mm-hmm. I think the way it's, our system is designed is faulty and could use a rework but yeah no i think i think there's in fact and here's the conservative part of me which is why it's hard for me to let go of the word conservative because there's still a lot of things that i still believe in um i i'm all for the voucher system Mm -hmm. right like i totally believe in public schools i want them to succeed i want them to be funded i want them to have the support but also i think a voucher given to a child Saying the public school is not serving my child. Mm-hmm. And we know that. And not even just those who want to homeschool or are culture war mad at the schools, right? There are those who just don't get the services for the kids they need because of a disability. Yeah. Right? So giving a kid a voucher says you can take this and go to where you are going to get the best service for your kid. Uh-huh. Right? So that's my conservative side of. I'm totally for a voucher system for schools. Most of the liberal people I know don't like vouchers. Right. Anyway. But yeah, I'm 90% Democrat, apparently, according to this quiz. <laughs> um, which... Where are we? Yeah, we're coming up on it. Sorry, I'm taking a lot of the time. No, you're good. Um, <clears throat> but for a long time, I have been saying my personality is more liberal. Mm-hmm. My politics is more conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, and reading this, like totally my personality is liberal. I love change. I accept change. I think change is needed. Mm -hmm. Um, I am totally for fighting for equality among all people. I'm just, those things make me more liberal Uh personally. Uh But a lot of times politically, I felt I was more conservative because I was more on the, okay, hang up. You know, let's not bring the government in as the savior all the time. Um, Free markets I generally support. But again, I was like, I see why we need government regulation. Uh (laughs) Um, Where was I going with this? I was going somewhere. I don't remember. I don't know. Oh, oh, oh. Um, But kind of going back to your conservative does not mean what it means anymore Mm -hmm. or what it used to mean i in the last two to four years cannot find republicans i want to vote for and it's not because i fundamentally disagree with their policies Uh a lot of republicans have policies that i like no actually let's that's might be what i think needs to happen Mm mm-hmm Especially among like immigration, though, I'm more right. Democrat on right. that side. Um, so I'm one of those economic conservatives, and 
conservatives and social liberals. <laughs> yeah. But I can't find a Republican I want to vote for because of their personalities. So because are you... of the way that they view the world mm-hmm. and the way that they interact with the world. <laughs> yeah. Is this, are you talking about just the ones that you have an opportunity to vote for here in Missouri? Yeah. Or are you talking nationally ones, you know, Republicans you've heard about from various states? So all of it, right? Okay. If Ted Cruz gets the primary for the next president, mm-hmm. I, wouldn't vote for him. I wouldn't vote for him. Mm-hmm. If DeSantis gets it, I wouldn't. He's more dangerous to me than Trump. Trump's an idiot. <laughs> I actually read an article about that, and I agree that DeSantis is more dangerous. DeSantis knows the game. Trump doesn't know the game. And he doesn't have all the baggage that Trump has. Right. As far as all the scandals and the lawsuits. And right. The criminal background potential. And yeah. Yeah. No. DeSantis can come in and do some serious damage mm-hmm. because he knows how to play the game. Trump's going to come in and just be the bull in the china shop and we're all going to hate it. <laughs> right. Anyway. Um, so and then here, here's a question. Right. What if you had... Now, this isn't going to happen, but... Um, if Mitt Romney and Condoleezza Rice ran for president, yes. <laughs> I, will I was, was going to say, someone <laughs> like a Mitt Romney or a Susan Collins yeah. or, you know, that breed of Republican, would right. you consider voting for them? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. But even so here in Missouri, we just had a primary election and I was reading through. I was like, I, okay. I'm registered Republican. Here in Missouri, so in Utah, I think you have to be registered as a party to vote for that party. Uh, yeah, I think so. Here in Missouri, you don't have to be registered, but you do have to choose a party at the voting booth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I chose Republican because I'm trying my best to get these type of rep- Republicans I don't like out of here. Right. Who? Who? Good luck. There, I was researching them and it's like, oh my heavens. One of my metrics now at this point, <laughs> if you claim Trump. Big lie. Yeah. If you claim the election was stolen from Trump, I'm I'm not voting for you. Yes. I'm not. Because that means several things to me. Mm-hmm. Um, if you thought it was stolen and have come back like, okay, you know what? Now, after we've gone through these two years of these mm-hmm. fights, no, like Biden won. Awesome. You. I'm okay with you being skeptical. Uh-huh. And once you gained knowledge, yes. found out what was true, yes. you changed your tune. But okay. at this point, if you're still on the big lie ticket, uh-huh. I, I can't vote for you. Yeah. That just got rid of almost every single senator who was trying to get our primary. At least the three big ones. that. Well, yeah. The two Eric's for, and... Um, Hart- Hartzler. Yeah. Hartzler. Vicky. Yeah. So... I think I'm just embracing I'm not a conservative <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Not a Republican. And that's okay. That that does not mean I am not a disciple of Christ. Right. That does not mean I hate the Constitution. Mm-hmm. That does not mean that I want communism. That does not mean I'm a baby killer. It's just interesting to see all those stereotypes that went into who a liberal was. And that's not me. Mm-hmm. And yet I'm a liberal. Right. That's weird. That's the first <laughs> time I've said that so definitively. Because I, it's been a couple of years of like, maybe I am. Uh-huh. But I'm still claiming conservative because I still have these beliefs. Uh-huh. 
I'm just that nuanced liberal, right? I'm a, I was conservative, now liberal, but I still lean to the right a little mm-hmm. bit. Like, <laughs> So ultimately what I'm hearing from this conversation, mm-hmm. everybody is nuanced. Mm-hmm. There are many aspects and angles to every person. And you can't accurately label anybody with the societal labels, mm-hmm. especially political labels. Um, going back to what you're saying about the, the manhood movement, saying somebody's a man, if they fall under, if they meet these criteria, then that is inaccurate because, as you said, there are many good men out there who are doing what they can to make the world a better place as a man, but they don't meet that criteria set that the manhood movement has. Yeah. We can't lump people into these political groups of conservative, liberal, Republican, Democrat, whatever you want to say, because there are a lot of nuances. Even Republicans I've talked to, they may not necessarily say the they they have very strong and extreme opinions on some things but other things that i've noticed they weren't but i don't know that they would admit to that uh-huh. <laughs> and you know we just we have to remember that there is nuance in everything and we need to accentuate that in a way recognize that and act accordingly don't just gloss over and lump people with labels now does it make things easier to work off of stereotypes and generalizations yes and i will do that you will hear me do that here on this podcast and throughout life as we we have other conversations but it's also important to remember that i do recognize that there are nuances and exceptions to every rule Mm -hmm. right um so yeah, as we are <laughs> talking about becoming a man <clears throat> and looking at what that looks like in life, we're going to be talking a lot about that gray area, those nuances that yep. are uncomfy because we like things to be in nice, neat little boxes and black and white and very orderly and organized in life and society. But that's not it. And hopefully we can help help you understand a little bit more (laughs) become more comfortable with living in that nuanced area yeah so yep yeah and i i would even say right off the bat here even though we are looking at the scriptures to just to figure out how to be great men you don't have to have a testimony in christ to be a great man that's true so yes I think relying on the Lord makes you a better man. It makes it easier and more So so here's how I doing. here's how I think of it. Believing in God and acting on your belief makes you a better man. It doesn't make you better than other men. Mm-hmm. It makes you a better man. So yes. you may have someone here who is really struggling. Right? Just does not they're just making bad choices all the time and they can't hold down a job. They don't have a relationship. They, you know, it's kind of selfish. If they believe and try and act 
on that belief in God, they will be better, Mm -hmm. a better man for it. Mm -hmm. But you can have Gandhi over here. I get Gandhi believes in a God. (laughs) Who's who's a good example? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I can't think of one. (laughs) But like a really good, objectively good person Mm -hmm. who doesn't believe in God, like, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say this to cast this kind of judgment, but that person, even though they don't have a belief in God, is still a better man than this one over here who's really struggling to make good choices in life. Yes. Right. Even though this one believes in God yes. and tries to act on that belief. Uh-huh. But this person who's already really good, if he believed in God and acted on that belief, he would be Could better than he was. Yes. I think it's important to not compare yourself to others. Yes. That's that, why like it was it was hard for me to say like this one's a better man than this one. But like objectively, like they're more they're a lot of potential. Right. Right. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think Because you don't know why they're struggling example, so bad too. Right, right. You know? In that example, yes, it's true. But in mm-hmm. real life, I don't want to compare anybody. I'm working on not comparing myself to others. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to compare other people to others yeah. because it's it's unfair. We are all different people with different abilities, different starting places, diff- different situations that have influenced where we are and even where we possibly can get to. Yeah. And so comparison is always unfair. Right. Nobody ever wins that game. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> so, yeah, you can, by abiding by these principles you can become better than you were, better than you are. And like you said, you don't have to believe in God. I mean, honestly, you can be listening to this podcast and not even believe the Book of Mormon to be true. It, the, maybe Lehi and his family didn't exist. Fine. That's okay. If you want to believe that, that's fine. But these stories are still valuable. I don't believe a tortoise and a hare actually ran a race, <laughs> but I do believe in the principle of slow and steady. I saw them the other day. It happened. What? Actually, I didn't. I was just lying to you. <laughs> okay. I have seen like somebody actually did do staged video of it. So, yeah. But you know, like Aesop's fable, tortoise and hare racing, that didn't actually happen, but it was a valuable story because it taught an important principle. Mm-hmm. So my point is scriptures, whether you believe in them as true stories or not, you can still get good things from them. You can still mm-hmm. learn correct principles that will help you. And so... But I, I would also say, though, it's important to believe they're true because it loses some of its potency. Right. right. The lessons we learn just in the scriptures just do not have the same effect on our lives that they would have if we didn't have that foundational belief mm-hmm. in God. Right. I'm not... I'm not giving people an excuse to not believe in the scriptures. I, right. I, I, want I, know, you where, I know where you're going. That, like you were saying yeah. earlier, with that extra belief in God and the, the veracity of the scriptures as true and eternal documents? <laughs> <laughs> Texts? There we go. There you, go. Um, you will be more effective with what you're learning from them. That mm-hmm. they will have more of an effect on your life. Yeah. Yes. But even with that extra belief stripped away, they're still valuable stories that mm-hmm. teach valuable lessons. So, 
that was what I was getting at. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think so. We're we're at an hour ten almost, so we should end this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but <clears throat> I was pretty self indulgent on that one. Um, as as you'll notice, you listeners, Tyler is. I'm a rambler. The spearhead of this project. Yeah. He's the one who started it. He invited me to come along for the ride. So a lot of this is going to be his thoughts. Well. Now, I, we, as time goes on, we'll probably... I'll learn how to not be as selfish. <laughs> You're not and be selfish. more concise with my thoughts. You've just had a lot more time and... You've been more intentional with what you've been thinking about as yeah. far as these things go. And yeah. so right now, these first few episodes will probably be a lot of... Tyler talking, which is fine. As we go, I'll probably start to develop more and have more to say. And I'll be better at holding back and <laughs> encouraging more of your say. So, anyway. Self-indulgent episode there for me. But I think we had some good stuff that we talked about. And to wrap up this last little section, just like you said, comparison's bad. <laughs> we can use the scriptures to make ourselves better men not better than others but better men ourselves and it doesn't matter you know where you believe politically or uh, what your some of your outlooks are on life but we're trying to figure out what it means to be a disciple of Christ and getting rid of all that exterior baggage that has been tied to what masculinity is but we don't feel it actually is <laughs> yes so we're going to end it there and we'll probably go into the second chapter of the original chapter. There's a lot of good stuff in chapters four or two through five, but I feel like we just should move on. You just want to skip them? Okay. You want to do it? I think we Okay, can. we'll do a part yeah. two of this, I guess. We'll do chapter one <laughs> again. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do chapters two through five. There you go. Next time. Okay. All right. That's it. Thanks yeah. for listening. See you all next week.